0: Welcome to this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast presented by Overdrive and uh, happy August. Uh, just Adam today and I'm really, really excited to uh, kick off a new month with a wonderful author. Um, this is an interview I did with Emily Austin, whose new book, Everyone in This Room Will Someday Be Dead, is, it's strange to call a book with that title beautiful, but it really is Um The main character is an anxious young young woman who kind of stumbles into a job as a receptionist at a Catholic church. Um, Gets obsessed with her predecessor's mysterious death and the the way that it's written as a person who suffers from anxiety and is frequently overly anxious about everything in my life. Uh, Emily wrote a book that just felt like someone had seen inside my soul, uh, the way that she writes this character and the way that the story is structured. It really does feel like the way that at least my anxious brain works. So I think you're really, really going to enjoy it. Um, In addition to obviously discussing the book, um, we had some conversations about faith and religion and very heavy topics that we had a fun conversation about, which, is sometimes the only way you can have really heavy conversations is to inject a little bit of humor um, while also offering some you know, interesting insights. So I think you'll very much enjoy it. Um, also want to say, if you guys have been joining the podcast and you haven't ever done it before, we don't ask too often, but if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review or a quick rating um, anywhere you listen to your podcast, whether it's iTunes or um, Spotify or you know, iHeartRadio, wherever you might happen to listen to us. helps other people find us and we really appreciate it. Again, we don't ask too often, but if you wouldn't mind doing it, it takes a couple seconds. Really appreciate it. Um, If you do, feel free to shoot us an email at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. We'll, you know, send you some book recommendations or things like that. Uh, Also, if you want to get a hold of us on social media, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. And then lastly, if you want a Professional Book Nerds t-shirt or if there's some new Libby, hoodies, and long-sleeve shirts and all sorts of cool stuff from Overdrive, you can go to shop.overdrive.com. Uh, it's a it's a nice thing to do because 100% of all the profits from that website, shop.overdrive.com, go to the American Library Association's uh, Office of Diversity. So you can get some cool, comfortable swag and also feel good while you're doing it. Uh, I've got tote bags and masks and t-shirts and long-sleeve shirts and um, all sorts of stuff. Go check it out. Okay. Um, busy week for us here. We are doing Digipalooza things. So if you're a librarian and you're hanging out at Digipalooza this week, hello. Uh, excited to see you virtually. Uh, and we're excited for our interview with Andy Weir later this week. Apologies to everyone who is not a librarian and would love to hear that. Uh, it's a exclusive we're doing for our library partners. So, uh, But don't worry, this month has tons and tons of amazing authors and things going on. So I think you're really going to enjoy it. Okay i not going to keep any longer, I'm going to let you get to this conversation with Emily Austin, author of Everyone in This Room Will Someday Be Dead, on the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Back, we can just sort of get started, like, would you mind kicking us off by giving everyone an introduction to your book, Everyone in This Room Will Someday Be Dead?
1: Sure. So the book is about um, a morbidly anxious young woman named Gilda. Um, and Gilda's been struggling with her mental health, shows, so she responds to a flyer for uh, free mental health support. Mm-hmm. Um, but it turns out the, fly, the, the support is being offered at a Catholic church. Um, and the priest at the church mistakes her for uh, someone applying for a job and offers her a job as a receptionist because their receptionist has just recently died. Um, so she ends up working at the Catholic church um and there she starts to become really interested in the death of the previous receptionist which turns out to be um sort of suspicious so it's a book about death and anxiety and uh like existential
0: dread and all that fun stuff there i mean there's so much that i related to that i want to ask you about like the concept of like mortality and religion and uh, you know, it's just like how the structure of the book is written about, like these like little short choppy thoughts, and everything. But like the the first thing that I kind of want to ask you about is, I think when people read this, who maybe don't suffer from anxiety, which I also do, so I very much understand this. But, like, Gilda does a lot of things where her, I don't want to say like her issue, but like the situation in any particular part of the book could be solved if she just explained herself. <laughs> <laughs> So can you maybe explain to people who don't have suffer from anxiety, like why she sort of never really says like, oh, well, um, I meant to, I was actually coming in for, because you guys were I, I <laughs> was, I was trying to apply for this. Job. Like, can you maybe explain to people why she sure. sort of does the things she does a little bit?
1: Sure. So I started writing this book. I started, I was just starting um, working with a new therapist and mm-hmm. she had given me a lot of reading material. And one thing that I think, let me know if this has been your experience, but I think a lot of people who have anxiety or mental health problems find out is there are parts of you that you think are parts of your personality that actually turn out to be symptoms of mental illness. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one of them. And so I remember reading some of the material that therapists gave me and being like, oh, like, you know, like giving people the answer that makes them feel the most comfortable isn't, like, isn't a normal thing for people to do or isn't just a character you know, isn't just part of my character. It's, it's like a symptom of being an anxious person. You know, I'm trying to uh, control everyone else's feelings because I'm so nervous that I'm going to upset someone or, um, you know, like, yeah. So it's uh, (laughs) hopefully that answers.
0: Yeah, I know. That's exactly, honestly, I feel the same way. Like, and I I laugh because my mom will constantly tell, tell me I'm doing this thing with my mom. It's um, called StoryWorth where, it's this it this isn't a sponsor or anything but it's basically this service that like you get a question you like you you basically your parent or someone gets a question once a week where they write an answer to it and it's it kind of gives you insight into their life and then at the end of a full year it like puts the whole thing into a book so you have this like whole book of stories Aww. from your parents it's very sweet. sweet and um I got it for her for mother's day and I also did one myself so I told her I was like it feels weird to give you a mother's day gift where you have to just tell me stories for a year, and I be like, <laughs> yeah. like So, but like one of the things she in one of her questions was about anxiety, and she's like, "I have this innate fear of her making anyone upset. That's why I'm always trying to like make everyone happy." Yeah. And it was the first time that I was like, "Oh my god, I do that too." And then like I picked up your book, and I was reading, and I was like, "Oh no, this is a, this isn't just my mom and I. This is like so <laughs> many people have this feeling of like, Aww. whatever I." I will do whatever I can to keep other people from like being upset. And even if it's like, even if you think you did the right thing later <laughs> in the day, you're like, Oh no, how, what did I say wrong to mess exactly, them up? Exactly. Yeah.
1: You put yourself in a, in a bit of a web and sometimes you end up doing the opposite of what you intended to do. And then it's even more difficult to explain mm-hmm. why that's happened. So yeah. yeah, it's, I appreciate you saying that you relate to it though. That's, that. uh you know I, that means a lot to me. It's nice to know that people feel reflected in in what you're writing. So thanks for saying that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think as more people read the book, I I have to imagine you'll get messages like that. Just because, I don't know. I feel like one of the biggest issues, especially in the, throughout the pandemic, is like a lack of people being able to feel seen. And so, I mean, to me, that's why I've always obviously been a huge reader. I work for a the <laughs> book podcast, but like. Yeah. I, the pandemic especially I've been reading so much more and I think it's because I've been like searching to try and find characters that kind of make me feel like validated in the emotions I'm going through and things like that and I don't know I've been able to find that and that kind of gets to another thing like feeling validated and having like feeling like, like you f- have a meaning in life like Gilda is works at a church that like you talked about and you know was growing up in kind of in the church or in at least that environment was that something that that you went through as well
1: yeah so yeah i was raised catholic um, and that's a big part of why i set the church i set the book there um, i was trying to think of you know like we all have um, our own experiences and when you're a writer it's nice i don't know for me i think to think of like okay what are things i could draw from that i could speak about and um and what and maybe this is lazy of me but what would be easy to write about And the catholic church was very easy for me to write about because i was raised in it um, so, yeah. And I actually started thinking of Gilda at a funeral that was in a Catholic church. Um, and I had, there had been like a long span of time between when I had been in the Catholic church, cause I, I no longer identify as Catholic, but I was, you know, I went through all the sacraments and went to Catholic school and all the, all of that. So there was a long period of time between when I had been in a Catholic church and then I was there for a funeral and I was sort of looking around with fresh eyes and realizing what an interesting setting a Catholic church is, and particularly when you are thinking about death, because the, you know, a Catholic church has, like, a crucified man at the front of it, which is very gruesome imagery that is, I didn't notice when I was a kid, it was very normalized to me, like, I was never, that was never scary or anything to me, it wasn't scary to me then either, but I was like, wow, that's, that's quite the imagery, right, and, and, you know, you hear, like, the you know, the church, the, the, the sermon talks about, um, you know, eating the body and blood of Christ and things like that. And it's very like, when you, when you're there and you're listening to that without the background, it's like, wow, this is quite the, this is quite the place.
0: <laughs> that's, that's why I get so, and like, I, I was also raised Catholic, um, but okay. my, my father's side of my family was Jewish. Um, okay. my, my father was non-practicing, like my, <laughs> one of the things I've always been jealous about my dad is he knew like early on he got kicked out of several several Hebrew schools because he just never wanted to be religious and like, he's always, like comfortable in that and like I'm so jealous of that because I don't know for me um for me for, like religion I've I'm the same way like was you, as, as you are like I I don't believe in anything of the values of the, the church anymore especially just like the way that <laughs> here in the states like the way that the Catholic Church and like the Republican Party have like glommed onto each other and it's just all very yeah. gross. But yeah. I always did kind of, I feel like I took a comfort in trying to understand like, I don't want to say the meaning of life, but like making sense of like why yeah. we as humans, I feel like, you know, like we're as a species, we're just smart enough to freak out about how the hell this all happened, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, but not maybe not smart enough to figure out
0: yeah exactly and like so as someone who I mean you literally wrote a book called everyone in this room will someday be dead like are you able and maybe the answer is no I I don't know because I I know everyone's different but like do you have comfort in like that just very concept like everyone's gonna die someday like are you able to kind of wrap your head around that because I still like I'm in my mid-30s and it like freaks me the hell out to not know what's gonna happen if that makes sense
1: yeah I think you know I ha- I'm the same as you. I think about that kind of thing a lot. And when I was younger, I thought about it particularly quite a bit. Like I've always been really fascinated by religion, even though I'm I'm not religious. And yeah, um, yeah I, so I I feel the same way. I think it. I've sort of reached, and who knows? Because I'm I'm the same as you. I'm in my I'm in my 30s, and I don't know what I'm gonna think tomorrow. But right now, what I would say to that is like it doesn't really matter is, you know, in my opinion, it doesn't really matter and what probably matters most is that we care that the people around us are as like happy and healthy as possible. And if we just think about that rather than anything else, it doesn't really matter. And then another thing that sort of helped me is um, when I think about the people I know who have died, because that's one thing that's like really hard when to think about that, when you actually think about the people in your life who have died. Um, is to not think of time as so linearly, and maybe I'm <laughs> being a little no, uh, yes, you yes. know, out there. But I think um, if, you know, like I, there is a line in the book that sort of says this, which is that like everything that has happened has happened, and it mm-hmm. exists forever in that moment as having happened. And so when I think about people who have died who I care about, I think like you know, like that moment like my memories of them still exist, even if I'm gone, like that happened, that occupied that time and space forever, so it's not as devastating when you, when you, if you can think of
0: it that way, I don't know if that, if that's comforting to other people, but for me it is. Yeah, and I, like I said, I I think about this a lot of time, because I said growing up with a dad who was of a different religion, but also non-practicing, right like I just would always hear these priests and these leaders of the church and like even like I went to Catholic school I went to a Jesuit college like I I, just paying for religion is all it takes I'm a shoo-in but like I used like they would always talk about how I was like oh well you need to be baptized and you need to receive community and you need to do all these things I'm like my dad is genuinely the best human being I've ever met outside of maybe my mom and like and I'm just like he's it shouldn't matter that he you know didn't have some water splash on his forehead when he was a baby like all this stuff that's just like you said talking about like how this the catholic church is a wild concept if you're someone from the outside of it but um yeah i like my best friend when i was growing up his dad passed away when we were like 12 and i remember like even now i can still remember like anytime i hear like a jimmy soul song or like a buddy holly song i still think of him so exactly like he's still here in those senses and i do i do think people will take comfort in that but I don't know I I'm not going about how like people in people in the Catholic religion look at other religions and they're like well it's so crazy that you believe in these other things and I'm like none of you eat meat on Fridays because the church is <laughs> the fish market." like I don't know
1: <laughs> yeah all of it is so yeah it's really I think I think yeah I think at the end of the day it really does just matter that we're nice to each other and that we not we don't um you know, there, for some reason, religion does seem to attract um, a lot of, you know, like in Canada right now. I don't know if you're hearing about this as much in the states, but we're finding um, all of these children from residential schools who have been killed and and uh, buried in unmarked graves around, um, and those 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 schools were run by the Catholic Church, the Canadian government, and some other churches. Mm-hmm. Um, And and I don't think that that necessarily is representative of the Catholic church. And, you know, I know a lot of Catholic people who are very nice people, but the reality is there is a problem that comes with a lot of religion. Mm -hmm. And um, part of it has to do with like power and things like that and making people feel like you were saying, like people feeling like you have to do something to be safe or to feel good or to have a happy life or to be a good person that's not, that's when religion takes the wrong turn. Like, um, you know, anyways.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, so I, didn't, yeah so I didn't mean to turn this into a theology podcast. No. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I want to take a quick break to talk about today's sponsor, which is ZocDoc. Um, just like many of you, I'm sure I avoided doing many things going, uh, during the pandemic. And one of those things was going to the doctor i was hesitant to go to you know the eye doctor uh, or the dentist and get my my checkups you know things are starting to open up a little bit now and it's it's a good time to catch up on your regular healthcare as well it's interesting this is the perfect timing for the sponsorship though because you know this is an episode all about a book that discusses anxiety and one of the things that people get a lot of anxiety over is calling doctors offices Scheduling appointments and understanding those things. Uh, ZocDoc is a free app that lets you find great doctors in your area and instantly book an appointment. So you don't need to worry about being on the phone with any of them. Uh, With ZocDoc, the way that it works is you can search for local doctors who take your insurance, can read verified patient reviews, and book an appointment in person or video chat. Uh, You know, don't have to wait on hold for receptionist again, or again, have that anxious feeling when you know you have to make a phone call about a thing that maybe you don't really want to talk about. Whether you need a primary care physician, dentist, dermatologist, psychiatrist, eye doctor, or other specialist, ZocDoc has you covered. Go to ZocDoc.com slash ProBookNerds and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free today. It's Z-O-C-D-O-C com slash ProBookNerds. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc. I'm one of them. That's my go-to whenever I need to see a doctor. So highly recommend it. Uh, ZocDoc makes healthcare easy. Now is the time to prioritize your health. Go to ZocDoc.com slash ProBookNerds. Download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's Z O C D O C dot com slash pro book nerds I want to I said I wanted to ask about because when people read your book it's very like the the structure of it is like these kind of staccato thoughts Mm -hmm. and like sort of like rapid fire little tiny snippets of a of a story and then we'll we'll jump to like present day and then it'll jump back to you know when Gilda was younger and things like is that how did you write this story linearly like that or was it kind of broken up into parts and then edited down it's such a unique style that i'm just curious how how it felt writing it for you
1: yeah um i i for the most part i i did write it sort of how it is like there's definitely parts where you come back and you realize oh it would be nice to expand on on this but i'm you know one reason why I like reading is because it helps me understand what it's like to be someone else and to have empathy for someone else. And so when I'm writing a story, I often uh, think like, why did they do that? Or, you know, like what happened to them that made them behave that way or made that personality like that? So like really, really early in the book, um, I think it's like on the first page or the second page, you find out that Gilda's pet rabbit died when she was a kid. And I remember I wrote that first scene, and I wrote that right under it. Like I didn't add that later. That was how it went. And there's definitely like after you're done writing, like I definitely went through and added things in. You know where I realized oh something else could have been added, but I I did sort of think of it linearly, even though it it reads like that. And it is my like I I, I like to say that part of why I wrote it that way is because it's like kind of like how anxious people think. Like you have a quick, you know, you go from to hear and that's true but it's also true that that is also like um how I write I think so yeah. and probably partly because I'm an anxious person but
0: yeah <laughs> so did 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 writing this I don't want to say I don't want to ask that made you more anxious but like did it feel therapeutic for you to be able to write a character that was I was laughing earlier when you're talking about it. it's like well I don't want to be like it's almost like lazy writing what you know like it's not really true like I I, <laughs> I do that all the time but like did it feel therapeutic or, or was it kind of nerve-wracking to put a character on on paper that was so close maybe to how you feel internally
1: yeah I think you know it's interesting because when I first started writing it um I wasn't like the book has a combination of some humor but it also has some like sincere depression in it and when yeah. I first started writing it I didn't write the sincere parts as much. Like it was a lot more, um, I don't like, you know, I think humor is sort of a coping mechanism for a lot of things, including um, existential dread and depression and anxiety. So when I was first writing it, it was sort of an outlet for that. And, And in the past and other things that I've written, I don't tend to write very sincerely. Like I would avoid, um, writing that sort of thing and so with this um when I started to realize oh I I should write something here that is a little bit more sincere or earnest or really reflects how difficult it is to be depressed that's when I started to be like oh this is (laughs) this is a little you know this is a little harder for me and um but uh, I think ultimately it was therapeutic I, I think it did sort of help me to write Gilda like that I think I I reached uh like you were asking about some things before, like some, some of my understanding in terms of death and things, I think it helped me think about that. And
0: yeah, so, yes. yeah, I, I don't know. It was just the way that she handles her relationships and then also like her various jobs, but I, I like the way that she interacts with life, I feel like is so, uh, like it just really drives home how people who might struggle with their mental well-being like there's some instances where like she can't even clean her own like dishes she can't even think about doing that like what like she can't even get to that at the same time she's like ah we're all gonna die someday and like (laughs) like she seems okay with that and then like she'll just I don't know I I feel like it's so just perfectly makes sense with you know she has constant conversations with this guy who is just the worst and (laughs) And she just kind of keeps doing it. Cause she's like, well, that's whatever. I'm just going to keep yeah. having these conversations. And I don't know. But then at the same time, she's so sweet when she gets these emails. So I'm, I'm trying to like be a little bit vague so people won't like know the whole plot of the book. But like she gets these emails and she's like, why well, should respond to these? And like, she feels, I don't know. Like, I feel like when you, at least me personally, there are times when I feel so emotionally, like overwhelmed where I want to tell everyone every single thing I've ever thought about them in like the sweetest possible way and then there's other days when that exact same person can come up me, and I'm just like I just don't <laughs> even want to talk yeah. with you at all I don't know I just like is that is that something you go through as well that's sort of like yeah okay, it okay, is
1: okay. yeah it's strange I think I think um with Gilda I was trying it sounds like maybe you're like this too but I was trying to show what it's like to be someone who's both like strangely like pre predis- just like when you're depressed you kind of you're being pushed into apathy Mm -hmm. but if you're someone who's also maybe kind-hearted um it's hard to uh go to you know to be so apathetic so so gilda has this problem where she feels like at the same time that nothing matters she thinks everyone matters so much so it's this sort of devastating um feeling because it's like okay at the same time as everyone you know like Um, you know, I'm, I'm, every, every conversation feels so stupid, and nothing really matters, Mm -hmm. she also feels like, oh, I care so much that this person doesn't feel this way, and that, you know, that, you know, I just care about them, so it's a, it's a sad (laughs) predicament to be in,
0: I think. Yeah, and I guess that's one of the things where I felt that so in, like, in my core, because there's absolutely some times in my life where I was like, even my, like, my, like I told you before we started recording, people who have been listening for a while now, like, you know, we work for a company called Overdrive and like our company, we're very thankful. We're very lucky we put so much good into the world. And like, I get to be a major part of that. But there are some days where I'm just like, it just, it doesn't matter. They're going yeah. to find a good read, even if I don't suggest one. But it's like, then there's other days where I'm like, I want to talk for an hour and a half about it, like a specific book <laughs> yeah. or like a specific way something made me feel. And um, I, <laughs> you were talking about putting some of those maybe more serious things on the page or more emotional aspects. And were you able from the start to sort of write without reservation about anxiety or is it something that maybe you struggled with initially putting the book out Yeah, there?
1: that's a good question. I was able to write about, so I think, and we've sort of touched on this. I think when you're anxious, like some parts of it are um, like very dark, but also some parts of it are funny. And some parts of it are just kind of ridiculous. And, and so it was easy for me to write about the funny parts, like to have, to have an awkward interaction after a minor car accident, I can write about that, you know, or to, you know, to have like an awkward interaction with a priest or someone who mistakes you for someone you're not, that's yeah. easy to write about. But when you start to write about like worrying about your, your brother dying, mm-hmm. it's, it's when you, that's when I would start to feel like, Oh, this is harder to write. But um It's also like nice to be able to have done that. That's one thing that this book I think helped me do was, you know, made me kind of go a little out of my comfort zone, which is probably good for me. And hopefully
0: it's good for the book, I guess. Yeah, (laughs) well, you were talking about at the beginning about uh, talking with your therapist. I know that a lot of therapists will suggest journaling. (laughs) Did you at any point tell your therapist, like I'm actually kind of turning this into a book that I'm going to put out into the world. It never come up. Oh um, no,
1: I, I don't, you know, no, it hasn't. I haven't told my I probably this doesn't reflect well on how seriously I take my mental health. And you know I haven't told my therapist I this book. Yeah. I don't want her to read it, but um she has I, I have a hard time doing things like that too. I'm I'm constantly at war with myself. I don't take mm-hmm. I don't take the even though I think like that's a very good point. I should I should write a journal. I should I should uh be mindful.
0: Yeah. And whenever I start doing it, I'm like, no.
1: I'm not doing this. This isn't gonna yeah. work
0: for me. I know. I I'm the same way. Like I'll get exactly what you said. I'm like I'm gonna write every single day moving forward, even if it's not like in the manuscript I'm working on. Even if it's just like I'm gonna grab one of those. I had literally on the desk I'm sitting at. I, I have one of those like writing prompt journals. Yeah, yeah. I think, like three of the prompts I've written, and then I was like, <laughs> yeah, gonna, yeah. I know exactly what it, you it's mean. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, were there characters? that you found more challenging to write? Cause there's some people like I, there were at points where I wanted to reach into the page and grab her parents and be like, <laughs> wrong with you people. Like, were there yeah. some characters or things that were maybe more challenging for you to write that either felt too real, not saying these are your parents. I obviously don't know your parents whatsoever, <laughs> but like, were there parts that maybe felt more challenging for you?
1: Yeah. Um, her parents aren't like my parents so just to (laughs) to get my parents listen but also they really aren't but uh yeah I found like I find it hard to write um romantic relationships Mm -hmm. so it was harder for me to write the romantic relationship in the book and it's probably part to do with what I was saying about sincerity and writing about sincerity and if you want to write like a relationship where you actually are you know you can tell they love each other that's hard for me to write because Mm -hmm. I'm you know something's wrong with me and I (laughs) I'm I'm guarded in some way for doing that so it was difficult for me to write um the relationship that Gilda has with the girl that she's seeing and actually a big part of the editing process like it was that relationship was there but it was heavily um implied and also very like short but it was like I would write something that would heavily imply that they you know love each other but never spell it out. And a big part of the editing process was making at least that suggestion a little bit more. So that I found difficult to write. That was the
0: harder part for me. Yeah. Do you find yourself reading books that are similar to yours or or just like completely jumping out of genre and going to something entirely unrelated? Well,
1: yeah, I like, like lately, one of the, one of the like uh,
0: unexpected
1: pros of or benefits of getting a book published is that you get like a curated list of recommended books and I, I never expected that um, and there's you, you have to go through this whole process where you send your book out to other writers and ask if they'll need to give you a blurb mm-hmm. and I don't feel comfortable doing that if I haven't read the person's book so um, and maybe that's not the right way to be but I feel that way it's, it's an anxiety thing <laughs> but, so I've read like a lot of books in a very short period of time that I loved. Like, um, like pizza girl is one I really loved. Yeah. Um, like there's so many that um, I wouldn't have known about otherwise. So lately I've been reading a lot of books that are like similar because of that. Mm-hmm. Historically I've read um, sort of out of, like, I do like this. I tend to read either um, like this, like a, like a, like a book about maybe mental health or something darker or um but I also read I also like some children's lit yeah. and so that's a little uh a little contrasting I guess
0: I honestly it's funny you say that but um about like children's literature, I feel like everyone wants to become an adult like it's almost like they're ashamed to be like oh yeah I still read like middle grade books and things but um I think it might have been those were last year two years ago I interviewed um Daniel Handler who's Lemony Snicket like he's the guy oh, yeah, yeah. The <laughs> and it was crazy but we had a conversation about it and he said something so profound and he was like everyone likes to once they like when you ask someone what like their favorite book is or what's like the best book they've ever read they always say you know something absurd they're like Absalom Absalom or like they'll be like you know well obviously it's um you know Inferno by Dante and he's like in reality the book he's like in in reality like the books that you will have Ingested the most times in your life, or is going to be something like Shiloh or like a book exactly. that you, read when you were like yeah. a kid, he's like, that you probably read like 18 times. And I was just like, oh my God, yeah, like the book I've probably read the most is like Where the Red Fern Grows or something. Yeah, exactly. Really That's dry. so true. That's really true. Yeah um so towards the end of our conversations we like to ask nine questions that we call the nerd nine just because we like alliteration okay. um I might have shot myself in the foot with this first one but it's what's the last book that you read I don't know if you just mentioned it with pizza girl or not
1: oh what is the last oh I read uh The Spectacular by Zoe Whittle mm-hmm. I have right here I think it comes out next month um cover yeah, it's uh it's about three women and it's written by um someone who writes on the show Shits Creek.
0: Yeah oh. that was enough
1: to make me want to read it. Uh-huh. Uh I loved it. I thought it was really good. It's it's a character-driven story about three women.
0: That's amazing. I, I have that cover a lot. Uh do you have a favorite place to read?
1: Favorite place to read. Um I like to read outside. Um so, yeah, outside. <laughs> except, except outside. Um,
0: do you remember the book that made you fall in love with reading when you were a kid?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, my mom read a lot. My mom was an elementary school librarian, so it's hard to remember what the first book she read to me was, but um man, what would I say? She read, she makes a very good Grover voice, and she read The Monster at the end of this book,
0: and uh, I love that book, so maybe I'll say that. Okay, this is wild. So my mom was an elementary school teacher for four years, so we're pretty similar there, and then my dad did a very good Grover, and he also, oh. and I like specifically can hear in my brain still him being like, you turn the page. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, when we're all kind of allowed to travel again more consistently, what's one place you'd like to go that you have not yet visited? um
1: i'd love to go to uh galway bay because my uh my grandma passed away she's a very catholic woman actually so she's someone i think of when i talk about catholicism and she was uh, such a lovely woman like such an eccentric like uh mm-hmm. really funny and smart and wise just like the best um and she when she before she passed away she, she knew she was going to pass away she asked us to play this song about galway bay that suggests that's where heaven is mm-hmm. so i'd like to go to for that yeah
0: I'm very I'm actually familiar with the song I know you're talking Aww. about uh do you have a favorite holiday to celebrate
1: Halloween I like Halloween a lot
0: I feel like a lot of writers say Halloween and I'm very down with that as well like, <laughs> uh, are you a coffee person or a tea person
1: well that's a tough question um I'm gonna say tea right now but I might I might say coffee if you ask me another time <laughs>
0: uh cats or dogs
1: Oof, that's even
0: harder oh man you're gonna hate I can't the next answer question. that
1: I have to answer I have no, 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 a cat. No, no. I'm
0: saying you're gonna hate the next question if you didn't like that oh question. no
1: I have a cat and I have an oil painting that I made of my cat hanging next to me so I feel like I have to say cat because her eyes are on me but I love dogs
0: and um yeah so
1: I guess cat but
0: we're so the right. reason I say this is Jill my co-host she has four cats I have two dogs and so oh. we started this as a joke and then um when one of us couldn't be there one day, like I did like a recommendation list of dog books and she did a recommendation list of cat books. Oh, that's cute. And that's like the most feedback we've gotten from listeners ever. People being like, we need more cat books. Or are like, how dare you say this? About oh. cat books? Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite food?
1: Pancakes are my favorite
0: food. Okay, and I'm sorry in advance for this one. We should start telling people we're going to ask it. But if you could have dinner with one person alive or dead, who would you pick?
1: Ooh, that is a tough one um I think I I know this is like probably an answer people often get but I would give my grandma who passed away because yeah. I got I she passed away when I was just at the worst age I was like 24 like mm-hmm. it was just on the cusp of when it would be nice to be able like I didn't have an awareness of how cool she was yeah. and now in retrospect I'm like oh she's the coolest person I've ever met I wish I I wish I knew
0: I know I honestly I know exactly what you mean because my my mom's mom I actually never got to she passed away before I was born and my mom told me in one of those story worth questions I really should just reach out to them and spawn to the podcast um that one of her <laughs> questions was about her mom and she was like you don't realize this but you're so much like your grandmother and it was like so Aww. sweet like, oh man I wish I could have known her. oh
1: yeah answer um,
0: okay last question for you Emily what do you hope readers take away from reading your book
1: um, I hope that people who don't have similar um, like mental health challenges as Gilda or like experiences Gilda have a better understanding of what it's like to be anxious and depressed and also to be anxious depressed and queer and I hope that uh, people who uh, who maybe do identify with Gilda more feel like seen by her so
0: that's absolutely perfect I I love the book so much that exactly what you just said about feeling like feeling seen I felt just like one of the things I feel like when I get anxious and nervous and having like panic attacks like I can't breathe and reading this book felt like I could read like I could breathe the whole time so thank you nice of you of course thank you for writing it like I said thank you for joining me today
1: thank you so much for having me I had a nice I had a nice time I appreciate you chatting with me